Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Tuesday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. Excited to be here with you on the program today. We're going to chat with Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves. Justin Ferguson will be on our show. And Chris Busher of the NASCAR Cup Series will be on the program to preview the upcoming race against Talladega. First time we've ever been able to have a Cup Series driver on the radio show. We're looking forward to chatting with him in the final hour of today's program. My name is JJ Jackson. I proudly serve as the host of this fine radio show. Every weekday from 3 until 6 p.m. Central. And I've got a great colleague of teammates here on the program with me today uh, between the likes of Brant Daughtry, Brooks Childress, and Ryan LaVoy. Still reacting to Auburn's overtime victory against Missouri this past weekend and getting you set for Auburn to take on LSU. If you would like to be a part of the show, 334-887-3401. Brooks Childress, how are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, it is a beautiful Tuesday outside. It's very woke up, and it was uh, finally fall out here, man. I, it felt That's how really you felt? Yeah, it felt really good this morning. Um, but you know, we uh, we like you said, still still uh, reacting to Auburn football's close win over in overtime against the Missouri Tigers and. You know, if if I'm going to look on the positive things to start with, a win is a win for the Auburn Tigers. They got a win. They're three and one on the year. It could be much much worse for this team. Um, but on the negative side, didn't look pretty. Uh, there's still a lot to uh, a lot for this Auburn team to try to improve on. Brian Harson's job still seems very very much up in the air and doubt what's going to happen. There was a lot of rumors going around Saturday that if he had lost that Missouri game, he uh, there was a chance he could be gone the next day or the or, or yet Monday. But he did end up winning that game, and now him and the rest of the coaching staff get this team prepared for an LSU team coming into town that looked shaky that first week, uh, but then they've they've seemed to have put together. Uh, building blocks of a, a pretty decent team so far this year. They're coming off a non-conference win over the past weekend, so they jump back into conference play. Uh, they're already one known conference in the SEC, beating uh, Mississippi State a couple weeks ago, and so it's a tough test coming into Tiger, uh, coming into Jordan Hare Stadium with, against the LSU Tigers, but. I'm sure that uh, we're going to talk all about that with all of our callers. Braves got a big win last night. Bryce Elder looked really good last night. Uh, first uh, complete game shutout and under 10 career starts since 1990, I believe, was uh, the stat thrown up there. So big win for the Braves, and especially because the Mets were idle yesterday. You gain a half game on those New York Mets, and now you've set yourself up to uh, continue to you know, stay right there where you need to be going into this uh, this weekend series. The Mets coming up here on Friday, and you know, I can't wait to talk to all of our callers and all of our guests. It's going to be fun. Yeah, you got a lot to discuss here yeah. on the program today, running around all the bases 
here on Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show. Mr. Ryan Lavoy, greetings to you, sir. I hope you're doing well. Thank you, man. I hope you're doing well as well. Um, I am, you know, definitely focused on sports, but I'm also focused on weather right now, too, and the um, hurricane that's about to hit Florida, Hurricane Ian, and tracking that and hoping that it does not uh, do very big damage in the Tampa area. Um, but, yeah, sports-wise, as Brooks mentioned, uh, the Braves got a, another key win last night. At this point, every game matters uh, a lot. Only uh, eight of them you, left. When you're in game like 17, it's kind of hard to get mad about one particular game. But when <laughs> you're now down to the last 10 or so and uh, it's a one-game margin, every game does matter a lot and every game – uh, is going to be analyzed a lot, but hopefully, you know, talking weather uh, as it relates to the Braves, uh, there's definitely some possibilities in play for uh, alterations to this Braves Met series coming up this weekend, which is obviously a series we've had circled for probably two months now, and there's going to be a lot of conversations about possibly moving these series up. Um, and trying to get it done quicker, possibly playing a doubleheader on Friday. Uh, there's going to be conversations about moving the series out of Atlanta. Um, there's there's going to be a lot uh, uh, to try and figure out, depending on what Ian does after a landfall in Florida. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Hopefully they can play all three in Atlanta, get half-decent weather. But starting Saturday, Georgia will start to have some, some weather issues Um and obviously, baseball is a sport that can take on less water than some of the others. So, um, you know, it, it is something to watch out for. Um, and then Auburn-related, yeah, obviously, um, glad Auburn did win, um, but it did not look good. It does not bode well for the rest of the season. Um, and we'll get into it throughout the week, but obviously racking up only 220 yards or so on Missouri um, – signifies that your offense is is indeed in deep trouble and they're going to have to figure some things out very quickly if they want to win another sec game this year brand daughtry's here with us as well brand good to see you again today sir yeah man i was on the show yesterday and uh, i really i mean my opinions haven't really changed and these guys kind of hit the nail on the head and uh yeah big brave series coming up that's more what i'm interested in uh, i guess right now uh, obviously we're going to talk more about auburn during the day's show i'm sure but um Man, the, the, this Bryce Elder looked fantastic last night. First, what is that? The first full game, uh, first complete game shutout since what 1990 something uh, for a Braves pitcher, for a Braves rookie, I should say. Um, so it, a really, really impressive performance from him. Um, man, I saw a chart earlier, and it's like we've we've reached elimination number time. We are officially at a right. The, the the series is about to be decided, and it, it may be decided uh, this weekend. And I, I really really hope that they can play that series in Atlanta, three games in three days. I, I don't want I don't want any doubleheaders. I don't I don't want anything weird. I just want that series to get played um, in, in a normal way. But I understand that's probably not going to happen. Who knows. 334-887-3401 if you would like to be a part of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show today. Let's begin today's show by celebrating our birthdays. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Oh yes, it is in fact time for our birthdays in sports here today on September 27th, 2022. And today's birthdays in sports, like every day, 
are brought to you by our friends over at Max Credit Union. They've got two convenient banking locations here in the area, one in Auburn on Gay Street, one in Opelika on Frederick Road. Let Max Credit Union help you with all your banking needs. Brooks Childress. Yo. Who's got a birthday today? Well, starting off in the football world, turning 32 today as a former NFL running back and return specialist, drafted by the Eagles in the fifth round of 2011 NFL draft, Deion Lewis, turning 32. He's a 2017 Super Bowl champion with the New England Patriots, go Pats, played for the Eagles, Browns, Colts, Patriots, Titans, and Giants, played two college basketball seasons at Pittsburgh, go Panthers, second team All-American in 2009, a Big East Rookie of the Year in 2009, a Big East Offensive Player of the Year also in 2009, Dion Lewis turning 32 years old. Happy birthday. Do you like him? I did like him. He was really good. Oh, so it's since he's no longer a Patriot, it's past tense. That you I mean, did like him. All right, fine. I do like him, but when he was playing, I did like him when he was playing. Happy birthday to Dion Lewis. Turning 57 years old today in the basketball world as an NBA head coach cur- uh, for, currently for the uh, Golden State Warriors. He's also a former NBA point guard. You guessed it, Steve Kerr's birthday. He's a five-time NBA champion as a player, four-time NBA champion as a head coach. Uh, NBA Coach of the Year in 2016, a two-time All-Star Game head coach, coach of the Warriors since 2014, played with the Suns, the Cavs, the Magic, the Bulls, the Spurs, and the Trailblazers, played five years of college basketball at Arizona, let's go Cats, but missed one due to injury. Number 25, his number, retired by Arizona, he's a two-time first-team All-Pac-10 as well. Steve Kerr is turning 57 years old today. As the new basketball season gets up and rolling, happy birthday to Mr. Steve Kerr. As you said, Brooks, I think he's trying to defend an NBA title. He is. That his team won a season ago. So, happy birthday, Mr. Kerr. Happy birthday, indeed. Turning 27 years old as an NBA center for the Dallas Mavericks, Christian Wood is turning 27. Signed with the 76ers in 2015 as a UDFA. That's undrafted free agent for those out there. Uh, has since played with the Hornets, the Bucks, the Pelicans, the Pistons, the Rockets, and signed with the Mavericks back in June. Picked up G League honors in 2018 and 2019 during stints in the minors. Played two seasons at NL or UNLV. Let's go running Rebels. First team All-Mount West back in 2015. Christian Wood turning 27 years old. Happy birthday, kiddo. And then, of course, in the basketball world, the last basketball birthday to go was turning 37 years old today. As a former NBA shooting guard, a current executive with the Oklahoma City Thunder, Anthony Morrow turning 37 three-point shooter signed with the Warriors in 2008 as an undrafted free agent first rookie to ever lead the NBA in three-point percentage back in 2008-2009 play with the Warriors the Nets the Hawks the Mavericks Pelicans the Thunder and the Bulls played four years of college basketball in Atlanta Georgia Tech together we swarm that's Anthony Moreau turning happy birthday Anthony and then finally your final birthday of the day in the soccer world turning 30 30 years old as a midfielder for Arsenal and the Swiss and the Swiss national team Granit Xhaka turning 30 years old. He's a two-time FA Cup winner in 2017 and 2020. Previously played for Basel in the Swiss League and Borussia Mönchengladbach. Yes, say indeed. That, say that three times fast in Germany. Uh, was over 100 career appearances for the Swiss national team. He's a former club captain of Arsenal. Granit Xhaka turning 30 years old. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Anthony Moreau, Christian Wood, Steve Kerr, Dion Lewis, and of course... It's your birthday. Happy birthday to you. Birthdays in sports brought to you by our friends over at Max Credit Union. Let's take our first time out of today's show. When we come back, we're going to have your phone calls. 334-887-3401. That happens right after this here on Sports Call. 
need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy. Rex Childress and Brant Daughtry. Auburn and LSU kickoff set for 6 p.m. on Saturday night. Come see us with the Southeastern Land Group, a tailgate starting at 2 p.m. on Saturday. 132 North Ross Street, a block and a half away from Toomer's Corner. Big Mike's Barbecue will be catered as well. Tailgate party for the Auburn and LSU game coming up on Saturday Come on by and see us and our friends at the Southeastern Land Group. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry. Saw this a moment ago from Auburn football uh, as they want you to know that uh, from Pro Football Focus, the four highest graded cornerbacks so far this season, the top two Auburn Tigers. Jonathan Jones, the highest graded cover corner this year, with an 85.6, Jamel Dean of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right behind him, 85.2. The Rams, Jalen Ramsey, 82.3. And the Carolina Panthers, J.C. Horn at 81.3. So shout out to some of those former Auburn defensive backs making plays. And Brooks, we were talking about on Sunday all the turnovers we've seen from Auburn football players. That uh, you know We talk about the turnover battle on the college game, but if we could count in former Auburn football players making turnovers. Auburn would be in a good spot so far this year. I think they'd be a positively very very much so in the plus. Jonathan we, you know you mentioned Jonathan Jones uh, of the New England Patriots, my New England Patriots. He got a pick and a forced fumble on uh, on Sunday in that game versus the uh, Ravens even though Patriots did lose that game starting quarterback Mac Jones went down but Jonathan Jones played a great game he's really stepped up especially since Stephon Gilmore left the team you know he he was the the lockdown corner there for a while Jonathan Jones has really stepped up and filled those shoes we saw from uh this past weekend Josh Bynes also had an interception in that football game Derek Brown for the Carolina Panthers had his first career interception this past weekend and then Jamel Dean the second highest graded cornerback in the National Football League had two interceptions not one but two interceptions a week prior. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 9 if you'd like to be on Sports Call as we go to our phone lines now. James from Montgomery. James has called into Sports Call. Hi, James. Hello, I'm War Eagle. War Eagle, sir. Yeah, um, the first thing I'm going to get to is Auburn and Missouri. I okay. mean, it was a really... It was a really good game. It was down to the wire, but I thought in the fourth quarter, I thought Auburn was going to lose it. But, I mean, they said, uh, I guess the quarterback said in his mind, Mm-mm, we're not going to go out like this at home. And they rolled it back and they came back strong with a strong win of 17 14. In overtime. Yeah, we did what it took to get the victory at the end. And uh, Robbie Ashford, being that quarterback for the Tigers now, he had a great game. I'm proud of him. Yeah, so I'm I'm actually going to see great things coming out of uh, Robert Ashford this weekend when we play against LSU. Um, I know it's going to be a night game, so I think we're I, I know it's going to be a really uh, 
it's going to be a good game at night. So anything can happen under the lights in Jordan Hare Stadium, and and I think this is going to be a really it's going to be a really good uh, game at night as well of uh, playing LSU. So I don't know if LSU have you know the great advantage of playing under the lights in Jordan Hare Stadium. So I think LSU might lose this game on the road. So that'll be their first loss of their of their SEC uh, debut. As we saw LSU the last time they came to Jordan Hare Stadium. T.J. Finley was the quarterback for LSU, and that was a talking point this week for Derek Hall and some of those defensive guys. The last time we played LSU and Jordan-Hare, T.J. Finley was the quarterback at LSU, and now he's on the Auburn roster. Yeah, so if if anything between now and this weekend, I don't know if uh, T.J. Finley might step up. I'm not quite sure on how that's going to go with his injury on his shoulder. But I think it will be like a day-to-day um, inside on his shoulder as well. So I know he he has like a high shoulder strain as well. Yeah, he's uh, he's working his way back from that shoulder injury. The Brian Harson said yesterday he's going to be out there practicing this week. But it did uh, in the depth chart that we were we were given yesterday at the press conference. They uh, had Robbie Ashford as the solid starter. So it looks like as of right now, everything's trending toward Robbie Ashford being the starter again. But TJ Finley is going to be back out there at practice this week, working on things and trying to get himself back into where he could possibly step on the field again this Saturday. Yeah. So if um, if Robert Ashford is our Starting quarterback, I mean, with T.J. Family being out in a medical injury, I mean, can't the doctors on campus actually look at that and determine if it's okay, you know, before sending him out there? Because if, if they don't look at that medical issue and they just send him out there, it's gonna it's gonna actually put more um, more injury. It's gonna put like more. Uh, pain to the injury that he already has. Yeah, they're going to take care of him. They're not going to let him play unless he's fully able to play and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, it's not TJ Finley anymore. It's Robbie Ashford. He is the quarterback for Auburn moving forward, and uh, we're going to fully support him because, man, he can really run and do a lot of things with his legs. Yeah, he he can, and I and I hope uh, I'll see great things coming out of uh, Robert Ashford uh, this weekend as well. And um, I'm just going to be watching some other SEC games as well. I know Arkansas will be going up to Tuscaloosa this weekend. So that's going to be a, uh, a great game to see Arkansas beat Alabama in, uh, in Tuscaloosa as well. And I'm just going to see how these eight games that we have left on our schedule and see if these eight games will be all wins or what what – what to be determined before now and Iron Bowl weekend. we got to play a lot of football left to see how those games are going to go. And Arkansas will be the home team this weekend, taking on Alabama. That should be a really fun football game as well. Any final thoughts for us, James? Um, Well, I don't have any final thoughts, but the only final thought that I actually have is for the upcoming Bowls, bowl weekends that are going to be coming in um, real soon. I know Troy won their game over the weekend, so they punched their ticket into the Camellia Bowl. And this uh, Saturday, I'm actually watching Toledo and seeing if they're going to punch their ticket in into the uh, Camellia Bowl. Yeah, 
this coming up uh, December as yeah. well. So I'm hoping that those two teams will actually meet up in Montgomery, Alabama. Long way to go until we get to bowl season, that's for sure. And and, and we'll get your last thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys because your Cowboys played Monday Night Football last night. Yes, yes. I almost forgot about my Cowboys. I am excited of Cooper Rush, and they're saying that Cooper Rush is doing a really good job. So with week four coming in, um, this is going to be a hard test for Cooper Rush. So I'm just going to see how Cooper Rush is going to, um, you know, how is he going to react at home when we play against the Washington Commanders. So I don't know if it's going to be a win or if it's going to be a loss with Cooper Rush. So I'm still looking at Dak Prescott and seeing if he'll come back in week five when we play against the Los Angeles, the Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. So that is to be determined on that one as well. No doubt about that. We'll see what can happen when uh, Dallas gets back on the football field this upcoming Sunday. James, we've got to get to a break and chat with Ben Ingram from the Atlanta Braves Radio Network, but we look forward to talking to you on tomorrow's show, okay? All right, sounds good, and War Eagle. War Eagle, indeed. That's our good pal James from Montgomery joining us here on Sports Call. As we said, we'll take a quick timeout. Ben Ingram will join the show, and then later, more of your phone calls. Coach from Kathleen joining us here in just a little bit on the show. Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Auburn's first at Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry here on this Tuesday as uh, we're counting down the days left in the regular season for the Atlanta Braves. And as we've done so frequently throughout the season, so excited to bring on Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves, who's kind enough to join us now. Ben, thanks for the time as always. How are you on this fine Tuesday? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been a a fun season for Atlanta. Uh, Obviously, they're in a divisional battle, a race here, going down to the finish, and it's got to make your job a little bit more entertaining showing up to the ballpark for these last few games of the regular season, knowing that they actually mean something, Ben. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, you, you come down to the wire, the way the, the way that this thing is coming down, and it's very exciting. And uh, for this ball club, achieving what they achieved last season, they obviously want to get back and experience that again. And this Mets team has been very good. That's been a, a very good battle all year long, and they've been in first place all season. So to have it come down to maybe even one series is, is really awesome, not just for the Braves and the Mets, but I think it's great for the game as well. 
You've got the National Series to get through, and then you said the big one coming up this weekend, and they'll close out with a couple of games against the Marlins. Yesterday, Ben, that Atlanta Braves team got to go to the White House and be recognized by President Joe Biden for their World Series victory. What was that like for those players as you were able to talk to them uh, both before and after getting the experience to go there to Pennsylvania Avenue? Yeah, I think for all of us, it was very overwhelming, and it was a major honor, and we rolled in there about uh, 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning, and the, the entire experience from the time we stepped into the White House to the time we left, about one fifteen, one thirty, was uh, like nothing any of us had ever experienced. Uh, I even chatted with some players who had done it before. I know Colin McHugh had been twice before, and he said it just never gets old. It's amazing every single time. And then ch- chatting with some of the other players who it was their first time, and it was my first time, uh, we were just uh, really taken away, to be quite honest. It was, it, it's hard to really put into perspective what that really means, how historic of a place that is, and what it's like to be invited by a president uh, to come into the White House and, and celebrate the, the accomplishments of last year's ball club. So um, you get an opportunity to win the World Series. Lots of great things come with that. You get a ring, you get a parade, and you get a visit to the White House, and you get honored all season long. It, it really is amazing. And uh, just another uh, great experience for those guys who did something that um, that few people get to do and few people get to experience. And I thought it was great for them and the entire organization. And the day continued to be great for the Braves, obviously, Ben, as they went on and beat the Nationals 8 nothing last night. And I think maybe the most significant thing out of that, although Bryce Elder was tremendous and did something that's not been done in a very long time, was that Matt Olson was able to hit a home run. And obviously Matt's been going through uh, maybe the worst month of his career. And so how important do you think it was for that at-bat last night? And are you seeing him start to have better at-bats and start to come out of this? Yeah, slightly better. I thought last night was really encouraging. And, and like you mentioned, statistically, it's been the worst month of his career. So anytime you're experiencing something like that, you want to come out of it. But even more so, given that the playoffs are right around the corner. I mean, that that's not a slump you want to continue into October. He wants to snap out of that as soon as possible. I mean, that's your cleanup hitter more times than not. And I know he's hit fifth here lately, but you need that guy to be a big RBI guy. You need consistent A-Bs from him. Uh, you got it last night. I thought he had some good A-Bs in the Philly series. So to see him come around the way that he did, I, I thought that was great. He hit a changeup uh, later in the ball game that was a big base hit as well. So I, I think it's just getting his timing down more than anything. I know he's been tinkering with his mechanics of his swing, uh, tinkering with, with his stance as well. Um, he's been late on some fastballs. That was really, in my opinion, the, the biggest issue that he had when he was in the midst of that slump. Uh, so I, I feel like he's looked a little bit quicker here over the last four or five ball games, and I just hope that that continues tonight. Um, when it comes to him, I thought it was really funny. When, when it comes to Olsen, Ozuna, and Arcia, those three guys uh, did not go to the White House yesterday. Obviously, Matt Olsen wasn't a brave, and uh, Ozuna and or Arcia was not on that team last year, and uh, Ozuna was injured most of the season. I thought it was funny that after the, the, the game the night before with the 11-inning game and then the early wake-up call to go to the White House, it was comical to me that the three guys who went deep were three guys who got their rest and had a normal day and didn't go to the White House yesterday. Maybe they were the secret weapon, and Matt was part of that. So it was good to see. And you, You've got to have his bat hot. That's a bat that you're relying on down the stretch to beat the Mets and in the postseason as well. So that's been a good uh, uptick in his swing and, and his statistics. Ben, every time we get you on, we got to ask about some of the injury updates, especially coming down to the wire. What can you tell us right now about the status of Spencer Strider and uh, Ozzie Albies? Those are two guys that if we see them 
again in the regular season, it would be that very last day. I know that Spencer Strider, I think, is technically um, – I think he would come off IL technically the very last day of the season. I don't think we would see him then. I don't expect to see either of those guys until the postseason. Um, that would be another benefit of, of winning the division is knowing that you would have an extra five days to rest some of those guys up rather than playing two days after the final game of the season. For Ozzy, he's wearing the cast still. He's, he's in a cast right now. That's the reason that he didn't wear a sports coat to the White House yesterday is he couldn't get a coat where his, his cast would fit through the sleeve of a jacket. Uh, so he, he's going to be in that cast a total of three weeks, which means he's got another uh, week and a half in the cast. So they'll take it off at that point. It won't require surgery. But the the thing that, that's so detrimental to Ozzy was if he doesn't get hurt, he was going to be taking the final two weeks of the season as, as sort of a ramp-up to being 100% by the postseason. Now he doesn't get that. And if he's able to come back and play in the postseason, that would be great. But it's still going to take a while to get his, his timing down, get some ABs. Uh, it's not going to be easy at all. Um, so that, that would be the expectation that I have for those two. I think once we get to the postseason, Spencer should be good to go, but I, I wouldn't be, um, I wouldn't be expecting Ozzy to jump back in there and, and be 100% right out of the gate. Ben, I want to ask you about Michael Harris again because this is a guy that has just continued all season long. Some rookies, they'll have a, a hot month or so, and then the league will start to get a book on them and, and change the way they pitch, and therefore the hitter usually goes through a slump. But we've not seen that out of Michael Harris. He stole his 20th base yesterday. He's one home run away from a 2020 season, which puts him in really rare air as far as rookies. Talk about what Michael has been able to do with the plate so well this year and just uh, how important he's been amongst all the outfield drama between obviously a lot of injuries and, and guys in and out of the lineup out there. Michael Harris has been the most consistent outfielder for the Braves this year. Sure, and, and his play coincides with when the team started playing good baseball. I mean, he joined the team the final week of May, and this team didn't start playing good ball until June 1, really. Um, and he, he's not the only reason for that. Dansby's been a different player since June 1, and uh, we've seen some other guys that have been significantly better, especially the pitchers have been a lot better since June the 1st. But to me, that first move was bringing Michael up to the big leagues. He made you so much better defensively in the outfield. I, I can't, I can't uh, overstate the, the difference that he made defensively for this outfield. And to me, I'm, I'm a big believer in you got to pitch it, you got to catch it. I mean, you got to be de- uh, sound defensively, and Michael's been a huge part of that. Uh, but we've seen him continue to develop. He's, he's gotten better very, very rapidly. That, that might be the most impressive thing to me about Michael. You've gotten to the point now where I don't think you have any concerns where, with where you want to hit him in the order. We've seen him hit second. We saw him hit cleanup last night. I think you could plug him in anywhere because he's going to be fine versus lefties as a left-handed hitter. He's obviously going to be really good versus righties. Uh, he'll take on a righty tonight in Paolo Espino, but – uh, his ability to go to all fields and go to all fields with power, work count, steal a base, uh, make a great adjustment defensively, I, I can't name one thing that I'm not impressed with with Michael Harris. And the, the thought that keeps going through my mind, watching him at 21 years old and seeing him play every single night, the thought that, that I keep going back to is I'm so glad that that guy is on our team. He's that valuable. And seeing the, the difference that the team has made in the standings ever since his coming up from Double A, I don't think that can be understated. So uh, he might be an MVP or co-MVP of this team for this season. I think he and, and Dansby and, and Austin have had tremendous seasons, and I don't want to know what this team would be doing without one of those three guys. Uh, I think they've really done a great job carrying the team for most of the year. So 
Um, just excited that he's going to be a brave for a long time because he's so extremely talented and does everything the right way and does it all well. So he's a good one to have in that clubhouse. Ben, I know you are still in Washington right now, but this weekend uh, coming up, the probably the biggest series of the season. Talk a little bit about the series with the Mets and obviously the weather that's coming through and how that might affect things. Yeah, I know there's lots of speculation today about the the series being moved potentially to Miami. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's just speculation. I've spoken with people uh, in the front office, my boss, and they said that ain't happening in, in, in a few more words than that. But um, I, I know that come Friday it's not looking good. That could be a wash. I think that they would attempt to play a doubleheader Saturday if necessary, and then Friday and Saturday are both washed out. I know that you'd play the ball game Sunday, and there's a chance you could play a doubleheader that day. Uh, I, I've also heard that maybe if you get two games in on Sunday or, or two altogether this weekend, that you could potentially play one game on that Thursday, the off day after game 162 down in Miami. Um, if that game is necessary, you could play it in Atlanta uh, after the final day of the season. If it's not necessary, they would not play that game. So I just hope that the weather ends up taking a turn for the better, as we all do. Uh, number one, so you know people are are safe and and we don't have loss of life and and not too bad of, of a loss of uh, property and damage and things like that. And then second off, so we can see some baseball and determine who's going to win this division. So um, definitely thoughts and prayers with everyone who's in the path of the storm and hopefully it gets back out into the ocean, gets away from the mainland, and uh, this isn't as bad as we all think that it'll be. When you take a look at that series coming up this weekend, Braves and Mets with the NL East division on the line, what what do you expect to be the difference in a series like that, Ben? Like, what what kind of is the uh, difference between these two ball clubs? I think it comes down to pitching, plain and simple. I know that the Mets are going to be running out Degrom, Bassett, Scherzer. Um, I think the exact order is Bassett game one, Degrom game two, Scherzer game three. And an interesting number for the Mets, and that, that this doesn't mean that I'd like to see these guys because I think they're as good as any duo out there in Major League Baseball. But ever since Degrom joined the rotation, that that team is ten and eight in their 18 combined starts. I found that to be a startling figure. Uh, DeGrom coming off a pretty rough outing his last go-round versus the A's. He had the worst first inning he's ever had. That being said, he had a start against the Braves back in August, and he was as good as I've ever seen him in my life. He took a perfect game into the seventh inning and had 16 strikeouts in that game. Um, Chris Bassett is a tough one. I don't think he gets enough credit for how good he's been for the Mets this season. He's made every start. He's been rock solid. And then Max Scherzer's an animal. Uh, I think how you handle those three guys is going to come down to the division comes down to that. And can the Braves match that? And the Braves are going to be running out Freed and Wright and Morton. I think if you had a healthy Spencer Strider, he would be in there instead of Charlie, but you don't right now. So that's the three that you're going to get. So to me, it comes down to pitching. Uh, both of these teams make good contact. Both of these teams know how to put the ball in play and score runs. The biggest difference offensively is the Braves hit more home runs. I don't think that'll be a big part of it. And if the Braves are getting good starts from their starters and they're hitting home runs, I expect the Braves to take two out of three or better. If they hold them in the ballpark and, and DeGrom and Scherzer are the story, then the Mets are going to be the better team. So uh, I'm just excited that it comes down to that series most likely. I know that both teams have a series right after that, but this is what you want. And I think this is it's not only good for the two teams, but great for our game and great for this rivalry. Uh, it's my favorite rivalry that uh, that the Braves have. And you, could, you would consider every team in the division a big rival. And it, it's fun to have those battles. But to me, this is the best one. And to have it come down to one series in Atlanta, the final three days of September, uh, I don't know how you could ask for much more than that as a baseball fan. 
Big time series coming up this weekend and eight total games left in the regular season. Our guest today, Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves. And you, of course, can listen to Braves Radio Network coverage right here in Auburn. Ben, how can we listen to you? What, what? Tell us the broadcast specifics for the uh, tonight's ball game and then the rest of the way. Sure. Obviously, on the full Braves radio networks, so that's roughly about 150 stations. And I'm sure you can get online and find out the, the flagship closest to you. Also online with um, the MLB app or the 680 The Fan app, which is our flagship station in Atlanta. That's a free application that you can download and find us right there. Love it. Thanks so much for the time, Ben. We'll talk again soon, okay? All right. Thank you, fellas. I appreciate it. That's Ben Ingram joining us here on the program. And, of course, you can listen here in the Auburn and Opelika area on AM 1230 WAUD. A lot of good baseball games coming our way here down the stretch for the Bravos. Let's take our final timeout here of hour number one. Coach from Kathleen, he's been waiting. We'll chat with him coming up after this here on Sports Call. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back in. Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Ryan, Brooks, and Brandt here inside our studio. Our thanks again to Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves, for joining us on the show as he does each and every Tuesday. Still on today's program, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer, and we chat with Chris Busher in the final hour of Sports Call here. we got about six or seven minutes left here in the opening hour of our program, so we want to go to the Auburn Bank phone line. And joining us here on the radio show, we've got... Coach from Kathleen. Coach has called into the program. Hey, Coach. Hey, JJ. How in the world are you? (laughs) I'm doing well. It's good to hear from you. Likewise. Good to hear from you guys, too. Brent, Brooks, how's everything today? Absolutely great. How are you? Fantastic, man. Better than I deserve, as I like to tell folks. I hate to follow Ben Ingram uh, <laughs> because he's such a – I mean, that's a highlight, man. That's a, that's a big get for you guys, being able to get him on the show on a routine basis. That's big. So, congrats to you guys for that. Absolutely. Uh, and we love our Braves, yeah. and they're in, they're in a big yeah. run here. That's right. That's right. You know, it's kind of crazy I, when I watch the Braves. I think about Michael Harris, 21 years old, and Von Grissom, 21 years old, and just lighten it up, you know. It's just it's crazy that they're that good that early. And of course, Ben addressed that a little bit, too. Um, but, I, you know, the Braves are a lot of fun. I want to disagree a little bit with one thing Ben said. He said, you know, that the Mets and the Braves coming down, final series, all that stuff, that's great for baseball, and everybody's excited about it. And I want to tell you, I wish the Braves would run off about, you know, whatever they got left, eight in a row, and the Mets lose every stinking one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I would enjoy that, out. too, for sure. You know, I mean, God. I, I, Who I needs all the drama years. when you can sleep a little bit easier at night knowing yeah, you're on the division? Yeah, makes things easy, but, you know, you can't control that. So anyway, well, I wanted to talk about Auburn a little bit, and I, and I wanted to start with um, with the definition of an optimist. Can you all tell me the definition of an optimist? 
Uh, typically J.J. Jackson, if you listen to Sports Call for several years. I hear you. Yeah. Well, let me, let, me, let me see if this guy would be uh, uh, defined as an optimist, right? Somebody who looks at Auburn and says, hey, Auburn is 3-1 and one overall and sitting atop the West at 1-0. and oh. <laughs> I think that would fit the billing, yes. <laughs> Delusional optimist, whichever one you want to choose, right? <laughs> you know, I'm going to tell you, um, I've watched a lot of Auburn football in my years. I mean, a ton of it, and sat through some bad, bad deals. But that game last week against Missouri reminded me that it, I was talking with my buddy that we've been sitting together for close to 30 years. And I told him, you know, we were talking about how ugly that game was. And, and he said that the only game that he could think of that was that ugly was the 3-2 to two win at Mississippi State, which I think was around 03. I don't remember the exact year. I believe it was 03, and if not, it was give or take two or three years from there. Yeah, but 2008 when, is in my the, head for whatever reason, but yeah. What eight at the case, whatever it was, it was just ugly, just stinking ugly. Um, you know, that day over in Starkville, Auburn scored all five points and won three to two. And it just, you know, it's just a, a horrible game. And that thing Saturday was just as bad. When the two punters, we, we looked at the numbers during the game, and the two punters had combined for nearly 700 yards of punts. Yep. You know, and that's, that's, that's a hard thing to fathom when you've punted the ball for over 700 yards in the course of a game. And, you know, the large majority of that in the second half because nobody did anything in the second half. You had like nine straight possessions that were, that were punts. And uh, so just, just bad ball. Um, you know, I hate that, uh, you know, that the quarterback that Finley's hurt I don't know how hurt he is. I don't have any idea what's going on there. I don't have any information on that other than it's a, apparently a shoulder thing. Um, but, I, you know, I was encouraged when Gurner went in there, or whatever, however he pronounces his name, Garner, Gurner, when he went in, um, not so much because of the pro- the production, because he, he looked scared to death. No but kidding. Thought, you know, when your and, first pass attempt I, goes backwards 11 yards, that's kind of a, a, a tough look, but... He was trying to throw that thing away yeah. and just absolutely threw it backwards. And, you know, that's that's just nerves. That's all it is is nerves. But he's a, he looks the part. Uh, it's just a matter of him getting seasoned and, and getting that's an right. opportunity to be in. And hopefully, at some time between now and, I don't know, the year 2030, we'll have a decent offensive line. <laughs> That bunch now, and I, you know, I hate to throw off on players, but goodness gracious, that is a non-productive bunch. Um, I don't know what the percentages were, but you know, the percentage against, I believe it was Penn State, there was like sixty-two percent of the plays had pressure on the quarterback or something ridiculous like that. Do y'all have to have that stat for this week for Missouri? Which stat? The percentage of pressures on the quarterback, quarterback yeah. pressures by three. It's got to be up there. I don't have the number in front of me, but it's got to be up there. Brent, you're normally a stat, a stat guy. You got that close or no? I'm looking for it. I hear you, man. Well, while you look for that, it's just – and I found that interesting against Penn State that 62% of the plays are, had pressures or something along that line. And I didn't, even, you know, I didn't even know they kept that stat, but it's just horrendous when you think about it that a guy's taking a snap and, and absolutely running for his life, and it's just it's just not productive. So, anyway, um, 
what about the uh, the rumor about the new uh, about a potentially new athletic director? Have y'all heard anything on on a new AD for Auburn? Uh, the two names that I've heard are the front runners right now is John Hartwell from Utah State, um, and the guy who's the interim right now is in uh, Rich McGlynn are the are the two front runners. And I was I read earlier today that if if there were odds today, it would be Hartwell would be the favorite. Okay, trying to process that a little bit. Um, that sounds promising to me. Simply, I know Hartwell. If I remember correctly, Hartwell does have some ties to Auburn. Yeah, he uh, his- he grew up in Mobile. He's never worked here, but he's had a lot of family uh, that came here. I think his like uh, his blood relatives have a couple of them have come here. Okay, so he has never worked at Auburn. I thought he was at some point a, a minion in the in the athletic department. No, he was uh, he was at Troy for a while. He was the AD at Troy for a little while. We just call that Auburn South and be done with that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Do it that way. Very cool. Well. Guys, I won't keep you. I just wanted to chime in and, and following Ben Ingram, like I said, is a tough order. Uh, but I wanted to find out the biggest thing was the question about the athletic director because I had heard some rumblings about a, a guy from Utah, and I, I figured it was him, but I wondered if what you guys had heard. Uh, so, anyway, thanks for taking my call. Y'all have a wonderful day, and we look forward to talking next time. Absolutely. Same to you. Thanks for the call. That's our good buddy, Coach from Kathleen, joining us there on the radio show, and it brings us to the end of our number one of Sports Call. A lot of good stuff there discussed. Your thoughts are always welcome. 334-887-3401. Alongside Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry, my name is JJ Jackson. One hour in the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry. We hope that you're doing well on this Tuesday as we're talking about an Auburn football victory against Missouri, 17-14. The Tigers win in overtime. Now they get set for LSU, the fifth consecutive home game for Auburn to open up the season 
at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Saturday's game will start at 6 o'clock, but we would like to invite you to join us at the Southeastern Land Group tailgate starting at 2 p.m. on Saturday. 132 North Ross Street. It's a block and a half away from Tumor's Corner. Big Mike's Barbecue will be catered. Come and see us again on Saturday, 132 North Ross Street for a big tailgate before the game against LSU gets started. All right, so a win for Auburn this past weekend. We saw the first collegiate start of Robbie Ashford's young career where Ashford went 12 of 18 for 127 yards passing. No touchdowns, no interceptions. He did have his first career rushing touchdown as well on the game's opening drive. So uh, Robbie Ashford, start number one. We talked about it yesterday. We're going to talk about it again here today. And Brooks and Ryan, Ryan, I'd like for you to start. I would like for you to assess Robbie Ashford's first career start because he is the starter moving forward for this Auburn football program. They've made a shift. Number nine, Robbie Ashford is the guy. I would like to know how many yards Robbie Ashford ran. Just like on the football field, not (laughs) for how many rush yards in the stat sheet, but like how many yards did he actually run on Saturday because of the offensive line issues? Because I think if you're evaluating Robbie Ashford, I think he left the pocket quite early several times as well. And, and, and that can be a byproduct of having a poor offensive line. You don't trust it. And so you look at your first read and then you panic and say, i got to get out of here. Um, so I think he did okay in the circumstances. It's obviously not world-changing. He We've assessed him to be on a, a similar level to TJ Finley as a passer. Uh, I don't think that changed. I know the numbers are not bad. If you, in a bottle, say 12 of 18, that's not bad. But um, – Obviously, what Robbie brings to the table is going to be the legs, and we've we've seen the depth chart. It, it is apparent that whether Finley is eighty percent, ninety percent, whatever he is this weekend, it's going to be Robbie Ashford, and I think it's an attempt to just try and get some continuity and try and stick to one guy. I, I think we've heard from a lot of people the two quarterback system is obviously very difficult to get it to work and we've even heard tj finley you know not really respond to it well uh when he he kind of had some comments that kind of question you know he'd be always surprised to be taken out of the game at moments and to be honest i didn't think the usage of it was very well there's some very puzzling moments um you know like for example in the penn state game tj finley has that long pass to landon king he comes out <laughs> the next play and two two inefficient plays are produced and then tj finley comes back in so some of it clearly did not make sense and so here they are going to one quarterback and uh you know i i've been preferring Ashford this whole time i don't think it was a you need to do this uh ever but i I just think with the offensive line the way it is, it's kind of hard to evaluate the other things on the offense. Like Again, we don't know a ton about the wide receivers. I liked what I saw out of Coy Moore uh, this past weekend. Obviously, I think Javarius Johnson has proven uh, that he can be a very capable guy. But again, you still have questions there. Uh, the running game is not good right now either. We know how talented Tank Bigsby is, but obviously he did not get loose. Jarquez Hunter did not get loose. Nothing got loose against Missouri, your first SEC opponent. And it was honestly, if you want to take it this way, I know they scored 17, including the overtime. It almost was even another step back offensively compared to what it was against Penn State. At least against Penn State, they got yards. They got 400 yards. They Some of them might have been late when the game was no longer swinging in the balance, but they at least proved they could move the football. They 
only had like 90 yards of offense in the second half of a tie game. Um, and, and that's been a, an issue for Brian Harson's teams for since the middle of last year, not scoring, not producing, not doing really anything well in the second half of games and not adjusting well to Power 5 competition. And so uh, I just think ultimately, did Robbie Ashford and himself do fine? Yeah, he did fine. He didn't really, I don't think, elevate the offensive play. He did not make it worse. Uh, however, with the offensive line in the state that it is, they're clearly just going to have to get a lot better up front if Auburn wants to produce uh, good offense the rest of the season. And look, I don't know if offense line is something that you can make worlds better throughout the middle of the season. I think you can enhance it, maybe find ways to work around of it. Like if I was analyzing the LSU game, I, I think LSU is very talented. Defensively, I think they've played some pretty good defense this year. I think they did a great job against Mississippi State's air raid. But I think LSU is also, also a very aggressive team. So if I'm Auburn, if I'm the offensive staff, I'm looking at ways to use their aggressiveness against them. I think that's your best bet. You know what teams are going to do. They're going to try and bludgeon you up front because they know they can. So how do you as an offense react to that? How as an offense do you try and work around that? There's not a lot of answers to that question because offensive line is very important, uh, and that really has to do with everything that you do offensively. But – uh, that's that's going to be the key is you're 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 married to a poor offensive line. You might be able to make it a scotch better here and there, but you're married to a pretty bad offensive line. So what can you do as an offense to get anything out of the offense you can, knowing that you're bad up front? I want to know. You know, we you look at Robbie Ashford is listed as the sole starter on that on that quarterback slot, and then it's got Holden Gurner or T.J. Finley, presumably because of, you don't know if Finley is going to be available for this weekend, you're going to have to work him through practice. I want to know if you if you deem that Finley is able to play, and he is able to be there, do they go back to switching them in and out? And I, I, I don't know, you know, because you, you, we looked at, you know, Harson was asked going up through the season, you know, through the first part of the season until Finley got hurt, hey, do you want to name a, you know, a, a normal uh, – you've got Finley listed as your starter, but you keep switching these guys in and out. Do you want to keep going with the, the two-quarterback system? And he was kind of noncommittal with it. He was like, well, you know, we're doing whatever – you know, everybody's competing. We're doing everything that we, we uh, you know, everybody, we're doing what we, what we think's best and everybody's competing. And then this past weekend – you saw Robbie Ashford, T.J. Finley not available. Robbie Ashford is the starter. And they really didn't go to Holden Gurner until Robbie Ashford got hurt. They were not about to switch him in and out. So that, you know, that tells you a little bit that they, they like, you know, kind of like both of those quarterbacks, uh, Gurner, not Gurner, uh, Finley and uh, Ashford, about on the same playing field if you're going to switch them in and out. But you obviously didn't have Finley this past weekend. So if, if Finley is available this weekend – and they they deem him you know like hey we can you know play him a little bit do they start switching him back and forth again and you know it, it's I, I don't know I I don't have the answer to that I I'm, it if you believe the depth chart to me I read it as no no uh, because he he went with the or with Holden Gurner uh, at second string T.J. Finley or Holden Gurner and again. We don't know if T.J. Finley actually has a chance to be 100% this weekend or if he's still operating under the assumption he's less than, that he'll just dress but not guarantee the play. But I, I, I feel like you, if you just if you believe in the depth chart, if, you, if it's trustworthy to you, you've got to market that as Robbie Ashford is starting, 
TJ Finley or if something happens to Robbie Ashford, if he if he throws a couple picks, if he gets hurt again, then it's TJ Finley or Holden Gurner. But I think that we've got to assume that Ashford's getting all these snaps until his performance dictates that he doesn't. And then, you know, back to what you were saying, you you've got to make it work with this offensive line. You're, there's it, it's you you want to improve on it as the season goes on. You want to, you know, make improvements there, but you're down to your third center on the year that since you started fall camp. Um, really, you know, I'm sure you you were already working in fall camp. You know, well, obviously we're not out there. We're not in the in the practices or in the meetings. I'm sure you were, you were already working through fall camp of Tate Johnson being the guy because I'm sure it wasn't just one day Nick Brahms walks in and says, "Hey, I can't go anymore. This is it." I'm sure they they they'd been working through this and everything, and they they kind of knew it was going to happen. So you're you're on your third center, you're technically probably your second center from all the prep you were doing, um, and it's just it. I, I don't know what else you can do with that offensive line. Um, there's there's not – at this point, you can't look at it and say there's going to be these vast improvements for the year. I mean, it's it, it it's not – it is what it is. They, they can still, you know, get something. They can, they can continue to develop this line, but it's not going to get much better than it is right now. It's, you know, you, you've got a bunch of guys out there that are – they're veterans, and they, they should have already been able to gel together, but – it's they it when you're going up against some of these defensive fronts, especially coming up this weekend against this LSU defensive front that's pretty good. Um, you you've got to have a guy back there in Robbie Ashford that can move around a little bit more. And and I'll tell you what, it's um it's going to be a fun game in Jordan here on Saturday night because you've got a team in LSU that you think's got their feet under them, but uh, you don't know. You really don't know. Let's grab a phone call. All of our sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender, 334-887-3401 or toll-free one. 1- 888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn Bank is our proud sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. Joining us now, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony has called into Sports Call. Hello, Anthony. Hello, guys. How you guys doing today? Quite well. How are you, sir? I'm good. Speaking of offensive line, how many returning starters from last year's squad is, is currently playing now on the offensive line? Uh, of, of the of the starters uh, who yeah, played last year. Yeah, who played, uh, who have started this year. Only two. Only two. All right, how many returning lettermen you got that play, that play, got playing time last year that are back? Uh, I'm trying to think. I think there's one more. So three. So there's one guy who got a start in one game last year, and the other two started every game. Now, we, we were friends the uh offensive line coach, right? Correct. He was offensive line coach last year, right? Correct. He couldn't get anything out of the line last year, right? Uh, he got better than he's getting right now. Well, he got a little slightly better, but but uh, he's not getting anything now, right? No, he's getting very little. Yeah, you know, I, I don't see him being back. If if Harson should return next year, I don't see you. I wouldn't bring Will Friend back. There's no need to bring him back because he's already proven he's not going to be able to get anything out of the line. So uh, got to bring somebody in that uh, can get the job done, that can hit that recruiting trail and bring these guys in. You know, I'm going to tell you, uh, they're just going to continue to do what they're doing. Uh, Daily routine, watching film, uh, drawing those plays up on the board, making corrections uh, there on the chalkboard, going out, practice, uh, lining up for scout team, uh, getting the looks, uh, making corrections as they make mistakes, keep on preaching and keep on doing what they're doing to try to develop it. Maybe next year before uh, 
you see the offensive line play you need before you get a few more pieces in here, probably out of that portal or, or somewhere or, or whatnot. But, uh, you know, it takes time to develop a good offensive line. Nothing can happen overnight. But you got to have a proper coach and you got to have something to work with. You know, sometimes you may not have the best players, but if you can motivate a player, get him to believe in himself. And my main thing, if you can get him to believe that you believe in him, that you're depending on him, that you got to have him to get a job done, Sometimes people will play over the head. So I, I can't let this man down. This man believe in me, looking for me to, to get the job done that nobody else can do. I got to step the game up. You know, that, that's the kind of mindset you got to have sometimes. But, uh, you know, it's pitiful that a team like Auburn, Southeastern Conference, a uh, two-time NCAA World Heavyweight Champion, with all the tradition and Heisman winners and national uh, trophy winners and a Tracy Rocker and, and all those people and all Americans like the legendary Greg Carr, Pat Sullivan, Auburn's favorite son, that you ain't got the talent that you need to compete out here being embarrassed week in and week out. I try to tell y'all, you know, after you play a couple cupcakes and the, and the quality teams start marching in, that uh, things going to be exposed, and we've seen it. And I'm telling you, this week may be the worst that we've seen so far this season, but we're going to find it out at 6 p.m. Saturday night, live in Jordan-Hare Stadium for all the world to see. I hope it's not embarrassment, but I kind of believe it will be. But uh, I tell you, uh, maybe some of the young alignment they got as the season go on, and, they, and it's, if, the, if the season becomes lost, then maybe it might be time to look towards some of the younger guys that was brought in uh, this last recruiting class, start playing them and get them ready for next year and a couple of years to come down the road. No need to keep on hanging on to somebody that's not going to be able to produce, that can't do this or can't do that. It might be time to cut some scholarships. Like you're doing Division Two and the Division One double A, if you ain't uh, produced in a certain amount of time or anything, then uh, they just gonna cut you because they don't have the finances to hang on. They got to win and they got to figure out who they need to do this with and and what kind of scholarships and scholarships are limited. <laughs> That's just the decisions they make. But who knows? We'll see what goes on. Uh, I told y'all my pick yesterday. I thought LSU would be 49, or will be three. We'll see if that happens. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. I appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. Thanks, Anthony. Good to hear from you. That's our buddy Anthony from Auburn joining us there on the program. And, uh, yeah, there's no denying it. The offensive line does need to take a step forward for the Auburn Tigers. And, uh, boy, are we hopeful that it is not a 49-3 to game in favor of LSU. But that's what we have to wait until Saturday for. Quick timeout. Sports Call continues in a moment. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. All right, welcome back into the program. Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry. we got about six or seven minutes left until we chat with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer, and we want to get your phone calls. 334-887-3401 as we go to our phone lines. And joining us now on the show, we've got... Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve, kind enough to join us. Hello, Steve. 
Good afternoon, everybody. And I'm going to take these last six minutes, and that's going to be it, because I want to hear your thoughts on what I believe was probably the most insightful podcast I've yet uh, to hear and see from Mr. Josh Pate on his late kick. Have you seen his most recent, recent take? No, I still need to check it out. What did he have okay. to say? Here's one of his quotes. I can't begin to tell you how stupid that is. What do you think he was talking about, and who is he talking about? If you're bringing it up, something in regards to Auburn, potentially, and Brian Harson. I mean, uh, what, what, what did he say, Steve? Yes, yes. Uh, he has about the uh, six minute yeah, uh, podcast of this short clip. Anyway, he's referring to uh, first Bruce Feldman making the announcement on CBS. That, oh, no, I was on uh, Fox, I think, wasn't it? Uh, at their noon kickoff, that uh, if Brian Harson loses his game, he says inside sources tell him that he's gone. Well, then he plays that part, and then Josh Pate says, I can't begin to tell you how stupid that is. He says, this is not the movie Remember the Titans, where you go behind the bleachers and tell the coach if he loses his game, they're going to fire you. He said, this is not a movie. He said, if you've already decided, talking about you know, the powers that be at Auburn, that he's not the right coach any longer for Auburn, then what are you doing basing it on whether he wins or loses his game? What are you waiting for you to be proven? Right. I think a lot of people right. kind of feel that way. If you've made your mind up, go ahead and do this. What Stop the bleeding proven? now. And then he said, but then he says, now his opportunity to throw it back at you, and now what are you going to do? Now he, he wins the Missouri game. Uh-oh. Now what are you going to do, wait for the LSU game and hope he loses that game maybe? Or uh, what if he wins that game? He goes on in the scenario, you know, and what if he ends up coming out maybe he winning some improper wins against Mississippi, Mississippi State, Texas A&M. Now he's 8-4 and four, maybe. Now do you fire him? Right. Yeah. No. Now it's it seems like uh, he's got the chance to save his job. And if you were in a position where you were ready to make a change, go ahead and make that change. We should have done what Georgia Tech did. Already make the change. Right. If you believe and you're convinced, though, who's over those people are that it's he's not a good fit. Then what are you like? Like Josh Payne said, what are you waiting for? For something to be proven? What do you need demonstrated? Steve, why are you waiting? I think the biggest issue here is there are some people who are ready to to kick him out. There are some people who never wanted him here in the first place, and there are some people who are waiting and seeing that it. And that's kind of been the biggest overall issue with Auburn's athletics for for a while now in football, I should say. Uh, But they're 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 the decision makers don't necessarily agree. Well, he said about that. He said if if you go. with this scenario of let's wait to what happens to the next game, then he says, remember this, these same people, he calls them dumbasses, okay? These same people who are waiting for that to happen are going to be your decision makers about who the next coach is. He says, think about that one. And I, it, I, I don't get it, Brent. Look, what again, like he said, what are they waiting for something to be proven? Well, well, what, well what, what are we waiting on? You know, we already saw uh, Penn State, what, they, what happened. And it got worse with Missouri. So I'm, I'm saying with Josh Payne, hey, can somebody contact, you know, uh, President Richards? Uh, I don't know. Uh, the interim head, uh, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Raines, uh, and tell him, what are you waiting on, guys? Uh, you know, he may screw around and screw you guys and win the LSU game. Then what are you going to wait on? Georgia and Ole Miss. Okay. Well, 
Uh, what if some, something crazy, crazy in the Missouri game happens and we happen to beat uh, an upset Georgia? Then I'd say he's worthy of keeping. No, he's not. If you because beat Georgia, I think you are. Stupid things happen. Stupid things happen. Uh, you know, Appalachian State can beat Michigan once every hundred years. You're right. App and State, that, App State reason, beat right. A&M earlier this year. All I'm saying is, do you keep waiting and waiting uh, and crazy things happen, and then you got to egg in your face? Well, jeez, we can't, we can't find him now. He's 8-4. and four. He's 9-3. and three. If he's 8-4 and Again, four or 9-3, and three, then he's worthy of keeping. No, he's not. We've gotten lucky. We've gotten somehow lucky. All right, well, you've gotten lucky consistently then. Well, okay. You've gotten lucky uh, you know, six more times this year. Uh, okay, well, I'm, I'm just throwing it out to you, Kate, because it probably won't happen. But, you know, screwy things happen at Auburn, especially Auburn LSU games. But remember what I said yesterday from Nathan King's stats. We have scored 0, 0, 3, 0, 6, 0. It goes on. Uh, I yeah, second second half offense has been bad, and if you continue to do that, then he's not going to win eight or nine games. Right, but again, why are we waiting, Brandon? That's what I'm saying. Why are we waiting? Because whoever the interim guy is has never been a head coach before, and you want you want to give him more than one week to prepare for a game. Why? Georgia Tech didn't wait. Georgia Tech is not Auburn. Well, maybe we should be. No. We're playing like Georgia Tech. No. We're playing like Georgia Tech, Brent. Wrong. I'm tired of this. Wrong, okay? Steve. Wrong. No, I'm not wrong. No, you, you're entitled to your opinion. But the facts are, we're damn bad. Okay? Yeah. When you have... When you Still better run than Georgia for 13 Tech. Yards, Brent, when you run for 13 freaking yards in the second half, and you got the number one probably running back in the SEC, that's bad. Steve, go watch and Georgia not, Tech. Go watch any Georgia Tech game over the last Brent, like five or six you years. You go watch Missouri. Do you know that Abilene Christian scored more points than we did against Missouri? I'm not saying Auburn's good, but I'm, I'm don't compare Auburn to Georgia Tech. Just don't. I'm preparing uh, Auburn to uh, Abilene Christian then. Well, that's a bad comparison to make. Well, they scored more points than we did. I think that game and was 34 way, to 17. I think they both scored 17. Okay, and by the way, one of those uh, points, uh, thankfully, uh, was due to a turnover by our defense. You're right. You're right. Steve, we got to get to Justin Ferguson today. Okay. I, will you please ask Justin Hoekson what does he think about uh, Josh Pate's uh, you know, take on uh, Lake Kick Live, you know, about why we're waiting? I'd like to hear his comments. I may, I may be the only one. And, you know, I love Auburn, but I love him so much that I cannot continue to, to, to just uh, to, to be drugged to this misery along with the players. I can't imagine what the players may be feeling like. They, they hear all this crap. Good to hear from you today, Steve. We All appreciate right, guys, it. Thanks for letting me War uh, Eagle. Have a War Damn Eagle, no matter what. All right. That's retired War Damn Steve joining us there on Sports Call. Justin Ferguson joins us on Sports Call coming up right after this. Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Back on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Brooks, Ryan, and Brant here on this Tuesday. The Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure that you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola Taste the Feeling. The podcast available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Tune in on our Tiger Communications app. Wherever you get podcasts, you can listen to ours. The Sports Call Podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. Let's go to our phone lines. And joining us here on the program, our very good friend, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Ferg, the time is greatly appreciated. How wild was that Auburn football game to watch on Saturday? Uh was pretty stupid, I'll tell you that much. Maybe the <laughs> dumbest football game any of us have ever witnessed. Uh, you know, I've seen Auburn win on fumbles at the goal line before several times. I've seen Auburn win on the other team inexplicably missing short field goals. Never the same game that that happened, though. So, um, yeah, completely wild the, the way that all sh- shook out on, on Saturday. Yeah, and considering, you know, that the fumble at the end there in overtime doesn't feel like much of a play is made and, and Nathaniel Pete just drops the football and all of a sudden Auburn's able to escape with a victory. Uh, is it is it fair to say that that fumble uh, likely saved Coach Harson his chance to proceed as the Auburn football coach? Probably so, um, just because I think the way Auburn played, especially on offense last week, was – about as bad as it gets. I mean, this team is just continuing to regress on the offensive side of the ball. And, uh, you know, the, your defense step up and gave you a chance to win, which is good. Um, but, you know, it's just uh, the way it looked when you have that many punts in a row, when you fall flat in the second half again, another game where you can't really do anything on the offensive line. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty rough. I really loved your perspective last week when we were chatting, Justin, talking about this Penn State loss that Auburn went through and just talking about the fact that this team uh, was in the second year under Coach Harson. This game was played at home, right? That they had so many better things going for them in year two of a coach's stint as opposed to year one, and you just can't take that step back in the way that in which they did earlier this year. From that perspective, and knowing there is a crowd out there that wants to argue if an athletic department has almost already made up their mind to move on for the head football coach, why continue to wait to see what he can do the rest of the season? If you've made up your mind, pull the plug now. What would your message be to that crowd? Yeah, I just think it's hard to fire somebody after a win in the middle of the season. You know, it's a, some people say, oh, Gus Malzahn got fired after a win. Well, it was the end of the season. So, you know, it's, it's a completely different situation. Um, yeah, I mean, like every game there's hope that you can be better. Every game, I mean, they, they are 3-1. They are 1-0 in the SEC. I mean, that as bad as it's looked, you know, you can't take that away. Um, you got to let the results speak for themselves, though. You know, I think that's that's the kind of thing there. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can say, well, has the athletic department made up its mind and all that? They don't even have a permanent AD in, in place at this point. So, you know, it's like it's kind of hard to say that, like, all the ducks are in a row at this point to begin with. But, yeah, I mean, um, you know, as, as long as you strap it up at a place like Auburn um, and step on the field, there's a chance to improve. There's a chance. It's college football, you know. Uh, it's 18 to 22 year olds playing a game. Like you know, weird stuff happens week to week. Uh, stuff changes a lot. So you know, there is for a team that's three and one, there's still hope. You know, and in, in, in a real sense that you can get better. But it's just like you know, there's the, the clock is ticking. So there's just a lot of pressure here. But I don't. Think, I think it would be would have set a really really bad precedent 
if you did fire a coach after, yes, indeed, he won the game. Like, Auburn did win the game, and even though the offense got worse, the defense did play better. And, and so there were – it wasn't a complete, like, oh, this is just – all of it's gone backwards, all of this has gone wrong. You know, you didn't get that step forward. Ferg, it's no secret that the offensive line is struggling right now, and that's a, a big reason for the struggles that the offense itself has had. So what can Auburn do offensively to maybe mask the weakness of those guys or help them out a little bit? What are some, some offensive decisions that you'd like to see made to, to make this offense help out the line a little bit? Yeah, I think you spread it out, um, kind of manipulate your numbers a little bit more. When Auburn went multi-tied in against Missouri really didn't work. They averaged less than a yard to play when they had multiple tight ends on the field. It's just because you get more traffic in the box, you get more predictable. Uh, your offensive line just is not doing as well enough between the tackles when they're blocking that you feel like you can do a lot there. Uh, it also limits your, your passing ability to a degree. So um, you've got you, you have to spread it out. I think you have to spread it out. You have to get more receivers on the field. You got to let um, Robbie Ashford have more room to operate. He can buy himself a little bit more time um, out of the shotgun. And also, just yeah, it just manipulates the other side of the ball, right? You know, if, if they have to go out and cover four or five guys, you know, out in the out in the pattern, that's less guys at the line of scrimmage. That's less guys that they can realistically blitz. You know, you you you, you can manipulate it that way. And if they do blitz, got to counter with some quick passes. Got to do some stuff over the middle of the field. Yeah, I think they can, they can get Robbie in more rhythm. And then also just like you know, first down. If you're not running the ball well on first down, which Auburn did not uh, against uh, against Missouri, if you're not running the ball well on first down, don't be afraid to throw it more on first down. Set up some opportunities, get second and two, uh, you know, third and short kind of set. Right now, Auburn is really bad in third downs, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's a lot of third and longs that they're having to face. So try to try to um, kind of invert the the usual script maybe from time to time, and and maybe you can help out your offense that way. Justin, uh, on, along those same lines with the offensive line, you, you kind of answered a little bit there with that, that, but Auburn's technically on their third center since the start of fall camp yeah. now going into it. What is what does that look like the alignment-wise for this Tigers team? Yeah, it looks like Auburn's uh, pretty confident in the fact that they're going to roll with Jaleel Irvin and then keep everybody else the same. Maybe you could have a situation where uh, Brandon Council plays center. Um, you know, you have moved your guards around a little bit this year and rotated there, but right now it looks like Irvin, you know, I, I would say when you know Tate Johnson went out early, I didn't see just a gigantic difference between um, you know what he was, what Jaleel Irvin did, and what Tate Johnson did. I didn't think the snaps were particularly terrible, or you know he was a you know a step back in blocking or anything like that. Um, you know I think it's just kind of maintaining it, but it is tough. It is a tough situation to be in. I think the solace for Auburn is that Jaleel Irvin has some in-game experience at center. Uh, you know, he started the Birmingham Bowl last year. Um, he's been in the program for a while, so it's not like you're breaking in somebody completely new at the position. However, you got to point out, you know, Tate Johnson beat him out in Paul Camp for a reason. So it is t- taking a step back in some degree, but I don't think it's a big one. And then, Justin, we, we got the depth chart yesterday at the at the presser, and it showed Robbie Ashford as the sole starting quarterback, and then you had the Holden Gurner or T.J. Finley below it. Harson said yesterday Finley's going to be back at practice, going to be practicing. If it comes comes to fruition that Finley is able to go on Saturday and be available on Saturday, do you think he goes back to the two-quarterback system, or do you think this is Robbie Ashford's ball to, ball to roll with? Maybe, but I think it would depend on just kind of how the game goes on offense. If Ashford's struggling throwing it, and you, you can get that. Um, you can get a benefit there. You can get some sort of boost there. Maybe you do it. But I think, you know, if, if they really wanted to keep it, hey, it could be, 
you know, business as usual. We're going to take it all the way into the week. And, you know, it's TJ Finley's still our starter and all that if he's healthy. Why do you change the depth chart? You know, I think that's like kind of the kind of thing. The message kind of was sent on on um, on Monday, but you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if if it comes down to it. You know, they'd have to turn to Finley, but I personally would be surprised if Finley was able to play on Saturday. I think when he initially when the news broke that he was that he was hurt, um, the word was from from a few folks that he might miss more than one game, so it would kind of be unlikely to see him out there anyway. Let's look at defense, Ferg, and obviously they had a big hand in giving Auburn an opportunity to win the game multiple times in the second half, uh, and uh, particularly the play of Derek Hall. And how important was he in that game, and is that something that uh, the Auburn defense can kind of build off of? Yeah, the defensive line I thought played particularly well uh, in this game. They, they really, after a week where they didn't really make much, much of an impact against uh, Penn State, they did so against Missouri. Missouri is not a great offensive line. Uh, but they they played the kind of matchup that they needed to do. Uh, I thought Derek Hall was outstanding. Culeota got in the backfield a few times. Marcus Harris, Colby Wooden, like everybody out there. Marcus Bragg had a good game as well in a reserve role. So a defensive front, I mean, you, you know, if you have a chance to win in the SEC, you've got to be doing something right at the line of scrimmage. And Auburn wasn't doing that on offense, but they definitely did did it on defense and gave them a chance to win. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what LSU does this weekend against them. Um, this LSU team is resetting uh, in a lot of places. They are starting two, two freshmen um, on the uh, on the offensive line this year, or at least they were uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, so it's like, hey, you know, you're you're about to get into maybe your first game atmosphere on the road in the SEC for those guys. Can Auburn take advantage? Can they win at the line of scrimmage and try to make this kind of a sloppy, gritty defensive game? If so. A defensive game usually favors the home team uh, in that case. So I think if Auburn has a chance to beat LSU on Saturday, the defense is not to do a lot of work, especially up front. And then, Justin, basketball got underway yesterday. The first practice was yesterday. Uh, media got to talk to Bruce Pearl and a couple players today. What's the feeling around this team as you start uh, fall camp here for that, for that basketball team? Yeah, this team's a lot deeper uh, than they were last year. Um, I think when you have two All-American talents like uh, Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler, you have to play them a lot of minutes. Um, it might not be that as much of that case this year. I think they're going to feel like they can go deeper on their bench, so like they're going to be more physical as a result. Uh, I think these guys have, have done a really good job in the, this offseason of um, kind of transforming their bodies and getting really you know pulled up in the weight room. So Bruce Pearl likes his team. He likes, his, he likes their energy. He likes the depth. He likes the versatility. Uh, the new guys, the blend of the old guys. It, it's, it's a team that, you know, last year they hit the reset button uh, from a tough year and then got some elite talent and it all plugged in. And, you know, a lot of newness. This year, not as much, you know, top-level talent, um, but could be just as dangerous of a team because they bring back more experience and they also have some five-star talent and high-impact transfers making their way. So a lot more consistency, a lot more stability at this time of year is what you want. Um, and really, I mean, I don't know if anybody else saw it, but um, the only real question right now is, is uh, the status of Alan Flanagan. Um, you know, what, you know, he's currently taking a leave of absence from the team uh, due to what Bruce Pearl called personal uh, family issues. So we'll work through that here in the uh, coming days, and we'll 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 see. But you know, in the meantime, um, they're going to take advantage of these these couple months of practice and uh, really, I think, build up a, a squad that can go ten or eleven deep this year and uh, be a, be a handful. I think they're going to be faster and more physical because of it. Justin Ferguson's here with us from the Auburn Observer. You get football and baseball content by being a part of the Auburn Observer community. What did I say? Baseball? Baseball. Basketball. That is embarrassing. I guess I'm thinking about the Braves game. I don't cover baseball. People get mad at me sometimes for that. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Football and basketball. I am so sorry. 
uh, I've ruined this conversation at this point. We were going great, and of course, I strike out there. Baseball reference. Uh, Ferg, tell me about this new shirt, though, that I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so our friends at Homefield Apparel have done our uh, have done our Auburn Observer t-shirts. Uh, people have been wanting our Observer shirts for a while, and there was only one place we could go to get them, and that was our friends at Homefield. So go to homefieldapparel.com, search Auburn Observer. You can get it. Uh, you can just Google Auburn Observer shirt, and it's one of the first results you can get. Um, and, yeah, it's a really cool shirt. Um, uh, you know, I'm – uh, I've I've been a home field person for a very very long time, so um, you know I can I can say this as as a pro, you're not going to buy a more comfortable t-shirt, you're not going to buy a more so- a softer, better fitting, better feeling t-shirt anywhere, and it's got our logo on it, so if you care about that stuff, it's cool too. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a cool design, and uh, we appreciate uh, Connor and the gang up there in Indianapolis for printing them for us, and uh, there's. Uh, Quite a few people have already ordered them, so uh, should be rolling in here in the next couple of weeks. Have you? I was about to say, have you physically held the shirt yet yourself? I have not, but I do have. I do own multiple shirts. Uh, the, the the base shirt, like their um, the, that that navy heather uh, that it's printed on. I have two of their shirts that are that uh, that actual shirt. It's just not with our logo on it. And yeah, so I've felt that shirt before and that style and that color and that design. Um, it just not one with our logo on it, so I'm it'll just, be cool when that comes in. Yeah, I'm curious what that feeling is going to be like for you, knowing that, I mean, seriously, that you created this whole project, and yeah. then all of a sudden you're going to be holding a shirt from a company that you love that's got your logo on it, man. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild, and it's it's, it's, it's just a testament to everybody who's subscribed and all that. You know, we had to have the demand for it, right? We had to, we had to have enough people care about it for them to want to print those shirts for yeah. us, so... Uh, the fact that the, that we've gotten to that point is pretty pretty wild. Do you still care about the Braves? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Big series yeah. coming up this weekend. Huge series coming up this weekend. Um, you, you know, Braves are hitting the ball a little bit better here recently. Some guys getting out of some slumps. Can't wait for Michael Harris to get uh, crowned as uh, as the National League uh, Rookie of the Year. Um, you know, uh, it's been a it's been a really fun season so far, and that that series coming up over on the weekend. Um, you know, it'll be tough to overcome the Mets just because of the run-in that we have compared to they compared to them. But there's a chance it's going to be uh, it's going to be this weekend, so it should be a lot of fun. Thanks for the time today, Ferg. We'll catch up again soon. Okay. Yep. Appreciate you guys. All right. That's Justin Ferguson with the Auburn Observer joining us here on the program. And I did say football and baseball, and I'm sorry, it's football and basketball. We were talking about it. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I fumbled a lot today. <sighs> Sometimes you don't have your A game, but if you can just champ out whatever you can, you know, and keep fighting and grinding towards that B game, you know, I, I, I we're went, looking for contact. We're not looking for home runs every time. I went, go ahead. Your Brent. feet aren't going to be always quick. Your punch is not always going to be there. You're not always going to run the fastest. It's uh, it's about effort. Tell me what it's about. One hundred and ten percent effort on every play is all anybody can ask of you. You play to win the game. All right, Herm. You play to win the game. Hey, that guy just got fired. So, earlier, uh, you know, we went into that Ferguson interview by talking about the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola, and I would encourage people to go find that podcast because going into our second commercial break, I was absolutely terrible in terms of speaking words, but because we were going into a break, I was able to just turn my mic off and go actually to the commercial so people didn't hear me fumble in the way in which I did, but I'm telling you how to go do that by going to listen to the podcast a little bit later. Please listen to the podcast. Yeah. 
Sometimes I just don't say words that well, Brooks. I mean, it happens to the best of us. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we're out here talking about baseball and basketball and football, and sometimes we're out here talking about bananas or something. I don't know. We've talked about hockey on this show before. That's true. Sparingly. That's true. We could talk about things. We're going to talk about NASCAR in the final hour as they're going racing to Talladega this weekend. Heck of a transition. Not a lot of talking in NASCAR. Uh, between spotters at Talladega. I feel like there's a lot of talking in NASCAR. When you're sitting in the stands, there's not a lot of talking in NASCAR because you can't hear anything. That's a great point. But I saved it. But, yeah. <laughs> but at a track like Talladega, I could say for 35 out of every 50 seconds, I true. can talk to you. True. That's Maybe very 40. true. It's uh, um, but it is, it is fun to listen to uh, spotters communicate at somewhere like Talladega. Because they're always giving you information on how far back the other line is, if it's got a lot of energy, how many cars are in it, when to get over into it if you're leading that line, and uh, that part of it is very people, useful. People in attendance can tap into those, can't they? Yes, like they you get can, scanners you can listen and listen to what the, the spotter. Yeah, yep, exactly. Brooks and I were traveling in a vehicle yesterday, and randomly, in the midst of our travels, Brooks said, clear high, clear high, clear high. And you were just giving me cues, man. You yeah. were my spotter, you and I clear. appreciate it. I was letting you know. <laughs> All right, now you're clear to enter pit lane. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's. I like it. Let's let's ease off the gas a little bit. Take a quick timeout, and we'll be back with the final hour of sports call right after this. Alongside Ryan Lavoy, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry. My name is JJ Jackson. Two hours of the books, and we're rolling. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started. Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress, Ryan LaVoy, and Brant Daughtry. And we have had a whole lot of fun so far on today's show. One hour left to go. Coming up here in about 10 minutes or so, we will chat with Chris Busher from NASCAR as we get set for Saturday's race at Talladega. Really honored. We've never had a Cup Series driver join us on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. And we are going to get that opportunity a little bit later today. So I can't wait for that to happen. And you'll be able to listen to that conversation again here in about 10 minutes or so. As we get this third hour started, let's give you our daily show recap. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. (sighs) Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, 
Can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? All right, it's our daily show recap. Brooks Childress, what has happened so far on Sports Call today? We've had a lot of great callers on the show today. We've also had some great guests. We started off the show, our first guest, well, I guess say started off the show, it was half hour in, talked to Ben Ingram from the Braves Radio Network. Always great to talk to him. He's up in Washington. He got to be at the White House yesterday. How awesome is that? Pretty amazing. You go from the White House in the morning to a Bryce Elder complete game shutout at Nationals Park against one of your bigger rivals in the in in the NL East last night a great great start to the trip Braves look to get start get going again tonight 605 first pitch uh over on the Braves radio network on AM 1230 WAUD so talk to Ben Ingram uh at four, or early in the show we also talked to Justin Ferguson early, uh just a little bit ago just right before this last break talked to him about all the comings and goings of Auburn football and touched on a little Auburn basketball as they got fall camp practice started yesterday they're practicing again today Auburn media got to meet with Bruce Pearl and some of the players earlier today and so really exciting to we're in the middle of football season but basketball season's right there on the horizon and you get to see it a little bit and I think a lot of people especially the Auburn fan base are kind of excited to get to that basketball season the way the the football season has started out and we still got some great show left to come, too, and so uh, stick around. We have another great hour to go. No kidding, we do. We've got a lot of football to break down and discuss so far with Auburn picking up the victory on Saturday against Missouri and getting set to take on LSU. In the SEC West, we saw a big-time game on Saturday between Arkansas and Texas A&M. The game played in Arlington and Brant. It was the Texas A&M Aggies that picked up the victory. Yes, it was. Um <laughs> Texas A&M was the beneficiary of some of the dumber things I've ever seen on a football field uh, by Arkansas. K.J. Jefferson trying to leap from the seven uh, and fumbling the ball. And then something I've never seen before, a field goal attempt hitting the top of the upright. That's just insane. Like I, we, talk, we talked about it a lot on yesterday's show. It was me, you, Cam, Barry, and uh, Tom Peavy, but... It's just we, we talked about it. We've seen probably thousands of field goal attempts in our lifetime. First time I've ever seen that. Probably the last time we'll so ever see that. So unfortunate, yeah. Um, I was listening to that game going down to Tampa, and I the I, no one could describe what happened. Like I had to watch it once I got to the hotel because the radio announcer was just like, it hits the upright and it doesn't fall through. And so I'm thinking it's like one of those, like it goes off the side yeah. and tries Your to come Your standard doink. Right. And uh, and I get, and someone in the group message said, that was crazy. And I get there and it's just, it's the top of the, the very top. And that could have bounced back. I mean, that could have done anything. We've never seen, it could have done anything. Um, but you're right, the fumble, like I don't even, sometimes I just call a triple, like I don't leave that game thinking, that Arkansas is not better than Texas A&M, but freak things happen sometimes. And it's like if I'm trying to correct it for Arkansas, I'm like, don't snap it bad from your all-SEC center. Like I don't usually worry about snapping it bad, but that happened in that last drive that kind of made them have to settle for the field goal. Uh, you know, don't leap from five, six yards out and extend the ball unless you're sure you can make it. You know, like like those are not like – those are just human error things. I mean, I like there's not anything incredibly wrong with Arkansas because of that. But now you got Alabama. You're talking about a season where they got Georgia later. I mean, we talked about someone's going to have to underachieve. I don't want it to be Arkansas because I love Sam Pittman, but not everyone can have the season they want to have, you know. And and obviously Auburn's already off to a inauspicious start. 
So some teams are going to have to lose a little bit more than they hope. But that was a that was a wild game, and I don't even remember why we started talking about it. But we're I just, just recapping <laughs> we're just last football, weekend. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> just football. Uh, Alabama played Vanderbilt in yeah. SEC football. Vanderbilt's gotten off to a good start, and then they played Alabama. Yeah, that was the first <laughs> points they scored on Bama since 07. I know they've only played like two or three times since right. then, but it means they got shut That's out a, a couple win. times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, 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 not, it's, it's not yeah. a win, but <laughs> in a way, perhaps seven to three at on. one point. Did y'all see the quote that Reason came for out? Optimism. That was from today's. I think it was from today's media session with Alabama's players. For Willie Anderson said that he gets mad at the audacity that people step on that field against him. And it, someone referenced the Michael Jordan, and I took that personally. And it was like, Will Anderson gets mad that the other team is on the field. It's like, how can you play against that? Like, how can you defend against that? Where you, like, you people, someone asked him, do you get mad when you're out there? Are you, are you, you know, upset out there? He's like, yeah, I'm mad that they're on the field, so I'm going to go hit them. <laughs> Think about that. You just, you have not, he's good. You've not done he's anything to this man, and you step out on that yeah. field, and he's trying to kill you. But it's also like, hey, buddy, if – they weren't on that field, there wouldn't be a game to be played. Right. True. You would not be on You would field not that be able either. to play, and then you would not be able to do what you're great at doing. So, therefore, I think you need them to be out there and then get mad at yeah. them for being out there. And, yeah, I guess he's motivated all of a sudden. Yeah, I'm glad we motivates. broke that down. It's, that it's, was better it's a, for me it's walking a player, away from it. I feel like it's a player version of coach speak. But, it, it, yeah, look, Will Anderson is a He's, he's a good monster. at what he does. He's very, very good. He's good at what he does. I'm what? going to take a break. Okay. I'm going to yeah, take a break because we're going to get to Chris Busher. Is that okay with you? Yep. Okay. They're racing at Talladega this weekend. Yes, they are. Restrictor plate racing. 190 miles per hour. Yes. Chris Busher drives the number 17 car. Yep, for Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing. And we're going to chat with him right after this timeout. Alongside Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry, I'm JJ Jackson. Back in a moment. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back into Sports Call Auburn here on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson and Ryan LaVoy here inside the studio and so honored and thrilled to be able to chat with Chris Busher, driver of the number 17 Fastenal Ford Mustang for Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing. He's joining us here on the phone lines. Chris, the time is greatly appreciated. Talladega week coming back to the state of Alabama. Tell me what that means to you throughout your career. Yeah, definitely excited to head down that way. Uh, it's definitely one of those races where we know we're going to have a good shot with our RK Mustangs. The, both of us have good speed and going to be in a good place there. So looking forward to uh, getting down and, and getting after it and hopefully picking up another win. And, Chris, obviously the Texas race was wild last weekend, but but just before that you picked up a win um, at Bristol Motor Speedway, and it was the first win for Roush Fenway Keselowski in a, in a long time. Talk about what that win meant to you personally, but also to the organization. Yeah, that was that was a huge one. Um, I guess that's uh, for me. Bristol is 
my favorite racetrack. Always love that one. Had some really close races there in the past on the Xfinity side uh, and on the Cup side through through the years, and it's just one of those I've always had circled. And I was uh, one we went in feeling pretty confident about. Our speed's been up through the summer, and we've been sneaking up on it. And I got got down there and went through practice. Felt like we were we were pretty good. Our averages were pretty good. We weren't the fastest thing through, but felt like our race car was good. And it was just one of those that handled good, and you knew you were going to have a shot at. And so getting into the race and took care of it i had a lot of speed was able to pass a lot of cars and and then had some great strategy calls there at the end to to get us out front again and we're able to to drive away with it so it was huge for rfk for um you know for both of us to have cars fast enough to win that race you know brad uh leading there late in late in the last stage and and having their tire issues obviously was a heartbreaker for them and uh and the six bunch but um uh it was nice to see that we both were capable of of being able to win that thing and for us to pull it off and get rfk back in the, the victory lane uh to see jack uh smiling on monday when we got back and uh and see uh see brad's excitement for it as well it was just a really special moment for everybody and we're uh proud to be able to pull it off and and definitely feel like we're ready to get a few more and Chris, obviously, there's been a lot of talk around this new car, and and just everyone learning, and and some issues at times with it, but uh, still new for everybody. And uh, you guys seem to be starting to turn a corner here with your win. Uh, I know Brad ran really well uh, throughout the Texas race. Obviously, that's a, te- a track that you you being from the state of Texas. Um, just talk about. RFK's development here throughout the year and, and how much you're enjoying the process of, of learning a new car. Yeah, I've been, uh, you know, I've been a part of the RFK family for for a really long time, uh, pretty much all of my professional stock car career and uh, with a few years uh, on loan to some, some other teams. And, um, you know, I think that I've seen the progression. I've seen the, the absolute heyday here. I've seen some of the lows and, and seen it turn around and and start heading uphill again and it's exciting to be a part of that and to see everybody's hard work uh yielding results at this point i think that it's been exciting for me to uh see everybody continue to get better and uh and to keep keep going this new car has presented a lot of challenges and uh and obviously with uh the the uh state of the world for the last couple of years it made it difficult to get a lot of testing in and uh, and really properly get things where they need to be for firing off. So we've kind of been, um, I won't say guinea pigs, but we've been uh, uh, we've been testing as we've been racing at the same time. And so it's taken a little bit longer than than anyone would have liked. But uh, we're definitely uh, getting getting everything up underneath us here now, and feel like we're starting to starting to fire on all eight. Really have been through the summer. Uh, it's just starting to, to yield results now that we're putting all the pieces together. Let me stay right there for a moment. Again, Chris Busher is our guest, 2015 NASCAR Xfinity Series champion who had a career-best eight top ten finishes back in 2021. You mentioned things kind of getting back to normal this NASCAR season and really our society kind of uh, exiting that pandemic that we all went through. What's it been like each and every weekend going to the racetrack and seeing so many folks return to the grandstands? We talk about this a lot from SEC football atmospheres that we've seen so far this year, but for NASCAR, what's that been like to see so many folks back out in attendance? 
Yeah, uh, it, it feels normal again, and uh, it's great to see so many people come out to the track. We've had some uh, fantastic turnouts through the through the year at different racetracks, at different uh, different venues. Um, there's been a few uh, that have been tough. I, I think largely related just to the, some hot weekends and, yeah. uh, and trying to get people to sit in the metal grandstands is a little tough at, in the mid afternoon, but. Um, I've been really proud of what our sport's been able to accomplish coming out of it. Uh, we've been able to get a lot of people really fired up about our season. Our viewership numbers are up. and We've had some really good racing along the way. We've had um, a lot of new fans coming in, not just uh, reigniting our old fans. We've had new fans coming in, so there's just been a ton of positive around our sport and just love to see it. Uh, love to keep uh, keep building on it and keep continuing to to get better. Uh, I think that we're going to have a great crowd when we get down to Talladega. I think that we, uh, we we know we're coming down there to put on a good show. It's playoff season now for us, and so uh, there's obviously guys that have a uh, all-or-nothing mentality, and then there's uh, there's those that, that really don't have anything to lose. Um, I don't know that anybody's – well, there probably is some must-wins in the playoff grid at this point, so they're going to be pushing hard. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to all come together and, and – I would plan on it being a really good show. It'll be exciting. I'm sure we'll have uh, some carnage along the way, <laughs> unfortunately. And um, we'll, uh, we'll try and make sure that we survive the, the best we can with our fast and all Mustang. Well, I, I certainly can't wait to see what the race looks like on Sunday. Again, Chris Busher here with us. Uh, and looking back, i got to know, what is that like to go to a race, Chris, and know that nobody else is going to be there in the stands watching. In your words, what was that like to drive in those empty stadiums? Uh, it was um, to be to be straight up about it. It was kind of miserable. Um, <laughs> you know, you walk in and it just felt uh, post-apocalyptic. It was just there's no noise. There's nothing on the PA. There was no music. There was no people. There was it was just still. And uh, it's just it's just really strange. Um, you know, I, I appreciate what we were able to do as a sport and get back going, but it was by no means the fun way to do it, and it's not what we're out here to do. And um, you know, it was just wasn't fun being isolated from so many people for so long, and uh, it was um, uh, it was strange. Couldn't even hear the national anthem. That was all done virtually, so at the track we couldn't even hear it. They just told us it was happening on a zoom call somewhere wow. and it was uh it was just uh it, it was miserable to be to be fair about it, it was just miserable so we were really stoked that everybody's been able to come back and join us and get back to having fun together so chris go go into talladega this weekend and obviously some drivers really against restrictor plate race racing obviously the the fans seem to love it um, a lot of mixed reviews depending on who you ask about, but but give me a favorite Talladega memory and, and just what you think is good about restrictor plate racing. What excites you about it? Um, you know, I think that it's uh, for for a long part of my career, it gave that uh, that underdog a, a shot, right? And um, you know, for speedway races, we know that when you come in, it's uh, it can be anybody's race now. There's definitely been favorites that have uh, really excelled when we come to speedway racing and doing a good job, and so uh, I don't feel like it's quite as much as a, of a pure luck winner uh, like it, it could have been in the past, but uh, but there's definitely a certain amount of it that comes into play. You have to survive. You have to be uh, at the right place at the right time, avoid other people's mistakes, 
And, uh, and if you can do that, you're going to have a chance when it comes down to those closing laps. So uh, that was always fun growing up and knowing that uh, there were times where we were not in uh, top top equipment. And when we go to those racetracks, we'd have them circled because that was our opportunity to go go make something happen. And we've been able to, to finish really well at, at Super Speedway through uh, through my career, even at those uh, those places where we haven't had quite the funding or or, uh, or the speed at times, and uh, we've been able to get really close. Never quite pulled a win off Adam, but uh, we've been uh, been in the hunt, and that's always been been fun to be a part of. Chris, the time has been greatly appreciated today. Thank you so much. Best of luck this weekend, and we appreciate you making a stop here in Auburn, Alabama. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. Looking forward to getting down there and getting going. We can't wait. That's our buddy Chris Busher, driver of the number 17 Fast Snow Ford Mustang for Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing. He's joining us here on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to it. Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress, Ryan LaVoy, and Brant Daughtry. We hope that you're doing well. Come hang out with us on Saturday. The Southeastern Land Group tailgate, 2 p.m. start, 132 North Ross Street, a block and a half away from Tumor's Corner. Big Mike's will cater some barbecue. Come on by and say hello to us. All right, here we are on this fine Tuesday. Our thanks again to Chris Busher for joining us on the show. Really cool, really fun honor to be able to chat with him, Brooks. It's something that we've been wanting to do for a while. We've been wanting to have a NASCAR Cup Series driver on the program, and we just did that, man. You just, we just did it. You did just do that. I was uh, stepped out. I was not part of the interview, but uh, you guys, you and Ryan, did a great job on that interview. Sounded really, really good. And, you know, it, you continue to have uh, bigger and bigger guys on the show. It, it, it's great to get, you know, we, we, we talk to beat writers and, you know, people that cover the sports, uh, you know, the different sports. But whenever you get a chance to get one of the actual athletes on your program, it's there's so much more knowledge you can get out of them because they're actually on the in, in the field of competition doing the sport and so when you get some of that inside knowledge especially from the top uh one you know one of the top racing series in the country it it's it un unrivaled knowledge is what you get ryan a, a uh, race like talladega a track like the speedway a place where anybody can win on sunday is that right yeah i mean it uh that's something chris talked about um when that talladega question is that when you're an underfunded team, when you're a driver not used to running up front, it gives you the opportunity because all you need is that draft. And sir, sure, certain drivers and teams operate a little bit better. Maybe some are better pushers. Some need to be pushed. But, you know, it really does equal out the playing field. And we've seen some drivers win at restrictor plate tracks that – really wouldn't otherwise have a realistic shot at it. I mean, and even close calls, as Chris said, because 
you look in the last couple of years in restrictor plate racing, you know, Bubba Wallace got his first win. Now he is able to back it up and get one this year, but that's a driver that hasn't run up front too much. And he got his first win at Talladega last year. You look at Michael McDowell winning the Daytona 500 in 2021. That's a guy that had never won before. Uh, and then this year, even a close call in Atlanta, which is now becoming a drafting track where Corey LaJoy almost won. And, and so it gives people opportunity now other drivers look at it differently and that's why i kind of asked about it because joey logano is a guy that has long been on record saying he hates it he thinks it's uh it's not racing um and there's other guys and i think i don't want to misrepresent who it was i can't remember if it i think it was logano again it might have been denny hamlin but i think it was logano who just flat out said you don't have to try to win to win or, or just kind of criticizing the, 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 the guys and saying there's no skill in winning and there's you're rewarded for not racing. And it's just, you know he basically just implied that the guys that don't deserve to win have a chance to win. Um, and so you know I, I don't think that's a great look when he's talking like that. But you know I've, I've tried to figure out exactly where – fans stand on it and obviously i'm not going to the racetrack every week and people that go to talladega are going to say they love talladega obviously uh and twitter again is not just a great representation of the whole it's only a part but uh i i does seem like there are at least some fans that don't love it but i still think overall more fans than not really do enjoy the, the close nature of everybody because it does give everyone a shot and because it just mixes it up it's chaotic and it's just something – it's a part of the difference. I don't think anyone says we need to do this 10 times a year out of 36, but Daytona has always been special, and then Talladega has always been special. And, you know, I, I think that whether the drivers like it or not, we're always going to have drafting tracks. That's always going to be a part of NASCAR. No doubt. And we'll see a good race coming up on Sunday from Talladega. Our thanks again to NASCAR PR and Chris Busher for taking some time to chat with us here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show today. Before we hit to the house... Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. It's time now for a Nightly TV Guide, brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks Monroe Childress. Yo. What do you got on television tonight? All right, some movie picks for you this evening. we got some uh, some stuff for the early, the mid, and the late birds tonight. Uh, starting at 6 I don't even five. know that it's late birds. It's 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 psychotic late insomniacs. birds. Insomniacs. But, uh, yeah, I, I can't believe I put That's this on That's me sometimes. Bring it on. 6.05 so. p.m. on TNT tonight, starting your night off in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Avengers Endgame. Phenomenal film. Very good. It... It's still there's there's a part of it that still gets me choked up a little bit because it's just a well done film. But six oh five TNT for your evening, uh, getting your evening started off. Avengers Endgame nine thirty four p.m. on Movie Max. R.I.P.D. starring Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges. Fun movie. F- fun movie. H- funny a mo- movie. A movie there, that Ryan Reynolds himself has said is not very good. But it, it still per- I, it's I enjoyed it. I enjoyed. Did you? It. I've never seen it. I've never seen. I, it. I've enjoyed it, and you would think, oh, nine thirty-four. That's the late movie. No, the the late late movie is for anybody that just can't sleep. Whatever. Ryan Lavoy isn't even up this late. No, he's not. Uh, At three fifty-eight a.m. Whoa! Right on the dot. Three fifty-eight a.m. on Stars. It is Men in Black International. Ryan tonight. likes that movie, well, but uh, playing uh, to the international crowd because we ain't up in America. You're, you're, you're not going to stay awake for that one, Ryan. 
So no. if you want to nope. watch it, take a nap, wake up, you know. It wasn't as good as the the three Men in Blacks with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones anyway. So I save people the trouble. Sorry, sorry about that. You <laughs> put that on the TV guy, but that's your nightly TV I guy. Hope all of our friends are sleeping. <laughs> I I do as well. Hope that people are sleeping. But if you're up that late, but just we, in case, we we never cater to the late late night crowd. So let's they let's deserve some, some love yeah. too. Sure. Uh, sports on for you tonight. Only baseball on tonight at six o'clock on TBS. The Yankees and the Blue Jays. Aaron Judge is still looking for that record-breaking home run. What a what bomb! If he just doesn't get it. What a yeah. Will what if he happen? just doesn't get it? Will it happen tonight? Be Who knows? very funny. Six o'clock on TBS. That's those uh, the Yankees and the uh, Blue Jays, and then of course six o five Valley Sports South. Kyle Muller on the mound tonight for the Braves. Game two between the Nationals on Valley Sports South. And let's look at your nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw. Love you, Brooks. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Brant, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Brian LaVoy, thank you for being here. Love you, brother. Have, Love a, good you too, e- man. have a good evening. Hey, you do the same. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much to all of our guests. We're talking about Ben Ingram, Justin Ferguson, and Chris Busher. For my colleagues today, Brant Daughtry, Brooks Childress, Ryan LaVoy, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.